0: I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks, Podcast Studio B. This is the new old school podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. And you know you can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. It's freer than an M1 Abrams tank. That's right, we're sending Ukraine 31 tanks. I mean, why not? They're only 9 million apiece. No, no, I know you can't afford eggs, or milk, or gas. Gas just went up 30 cents a gallon here this week. Does Ukraine have eggs? Is that why we're trying to help them out? Is that for some milk or something? Why? why? Come on, we have to do our part, people. Got to protect the president's secrets in Ukraine. Look, just get the apps. They're way more affordable. Tanks, tanks a lot. Everybody doing today? I hope this podcast finds you blessed, blessed, blessed. Sorry, not sorry. Our government has some major priority issues, if you're asking me. Major issues. Hey, I'll tell you what, I am so thankful that God is my source. How about you? Well, I'm excited to start a new series of podcasts as we're coming out of Passing the Tests. I loved that one because I learned a lot from that one. And uh, so this This series here is coming from uh, some classes that we taught last year at our winter Bible school. And uh, I'm gonna call this series Not Guilty, Not Guilty. And what we're talking about is righteousness. What does the body of Christ know about this? Because I can tell you just from my experience. Now, I went to a church that was a, what would you say, a non-denominational church or a faith church, word church, I don't know what you wanna call it. The pastor had graduated from a particular Bible college, a faith type of college there, that if I mentioned the name, you would know it well. So we believed in healing. We believed in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, tongues, faith, 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 right? But again, now this was just my experience over 20 years in a church that I thought believed the whole gospel. But what I soon discovered is that guilt was a mighty weapon used by this particular group. And now I don't want to just say in my church, this particular group, and I, and I don't want to say what XYZ school, uh, that's not what this school taught, just my experience that I have had in dealing with this particular group of pastors, and I knew them well. I was in the mix. Let me say maybe 15 of them that I knew, okay? I mean, now that's a lot in, in, in such a tight Midwest area uh, that I knew very close and personal, that all happened to be XYZ graduates, And I'm saying this because of my respect for that particular school and institution because I graduated from XYZ as well. And I couldn't understand, did I hear some things you all didn't hear? (laughs) Did I learn some things that maybe they didn't have that class when you were going? (laughs) So this was very confusing for me. We never, ever preached on or heard about righteousness, ever. Because again, now this is my experience in a full faith believing church, that what I heard was to teach this would give people free reign to sin and to think that they could do whatever they wanted to do. And so we didn't hear about this. And so it created an atmosphere of you hearers, the members always dealing with feeling guilty about everything. And they would be sure to to keep you that way. You missed church, you're guilty. Didn't show up for workday, guilty. Didn't volunteer, didn't give enough money. Do what pastor said, dare to question, pastor, got mad. You had had a flesh moment, guilty. Guilty, how dare you? And because we were guilty, now what you had to do is you had to work your way back into the good graces of God. And and we, as the church, are going to help you with that. It was like church was your parole officer that you had to report to and do your community service if you messed up. Then you got time added to your sentence, and so guilty, always guilty. So we'll keep you working. We'll keep you working. You, you've got to do some things around here at the church. You've got to be here more. You've got to give more, and then we'll see. We'll see how, how it goes. So it created a sense of never being good enough or having done enough to be pleasing to the Father. And if I'm not pleasing, then how can I ever think that I can go to him and expect that God would do for me, that God would heal me, bless me, provide for me, pull me out of this mess because, hey, I'm on probation all the time and I keep keep flunking the test. So it eventually gets, and see if you can relate. Eventually, you'll stop asking or expecting God to do anything for you. And I feel like, I now deserve all the bad in my life because I'm such a screw-up. I can't meet the standard. Now, I mentioned XYZ organization because, to me, this is such a great faith-based organization that I learned so much through, and I thought, wow, this is like the full gospel, and it was so freeing. Well, it was in many ways, and yet here is this hang-up with these pastors that I knew, and it's my experience with them. And listen, I knew these guys very well, not just kind of. That They just never taught this. Because as I heard with my own ears many times sitting in meetings with pastors, I'm not talking once or twice, but with these pastors, it's like handing them a loaded gun. It's giving them a free pass to sin. They didn't trust you with a righteousness message because they were just convinced that you were going to take advantage of it. And this was from one of the heads of the organization that I sat under for 20 years as my pastor. So if I was hearing this, I wondered what others were hearing or maybe, I guess, never hearing about righteousness. So I'm just trying to set this up because this series of podcasts is gonna get you set free. I was blown away once I really started to see this information for myself. So let's start right here. Let me give you the simple definition of righteousness. Righteousness means free from guilt or sin. Let's go over to Romans. We're going to revisit this many, many times in this series. Romans 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Let me repeat this slowly for those in the, in the back, okay? So I want you to repeat this with me. Now listen, I need you to participate in this series and say it with me. Say it where you're at. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, if you're not used to confessing some things, you should. Your Bible says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. He works with what we say. It's how you were born again, You believed in your heart and you what? You confessed with your mouth. It's the same way you got into the kingdom. Listen to me. The same way you got into the kingdom is the same way you operate in that kingdom, confession. And we're gonna do it often. But of course, you gotta believe it when you speak it. And then God gets involved. So say it again like you mean it. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You think that's a good thing? I do. Verse three, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. He keeps talking about sin. Well, is sin an issue? I, th- I think it's the biggest problem humanity has ever had, but praise God, Jesus has dealt with the sin problem. So sin is now politically incorrect. You don't hear that word much anymore. It's too harsh. So so uh, we replace that word in church with words like problems. Well, I just got some problems. I got some issues. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. So counseling is available, life coaching, because I've got some problems. Well, where did sin go? Listen, the truth will do what? It'll make you free. And he said that the law couldn't do it. It was weak through the flesh. The law couldn't fix the sin problem. All it could do was make people aware of the problem. And that sin was sin. But it didn't enable people to be free from it. It just made everybody aware of it. But what did we just quote uh, Just quote here? You didn't forget it already, did you? Say it with me again. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death is a law. Romans 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's the law. You sin, you die. It's a law like gravity. You jump off the roof, you never go up. You're always gonna go down. Doesn't matter who you are. You'll always go down. It's a law. This is a law. You sin, you die. Isn't that what God said to Adam and Eve? Don't do this because the day that you do it, you're going to die. And the devil came in and he said, you won't die. You're not going to die. Well, if you you won't die, but God said you would, well, the devil is accusing God of being the deceiver. Well, God's lying to you. It's not going to happen. Well, they found out the hard way. And no, they didn't die physically immediately, but they did die inside that day. They were separated from God and the life that he had for them. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Isn't that what sin does? You don't die physically. I mean, some do, I suppose, but it kills the relationship. It drives a wedge spiritually. Now, sin will affect the flesh. It'll speed up the process of physical death. And never forget what Jesus did to pay a a price for this flesh as well. And it says, you were bought with a price, and therefore you are not your own, so glorify God in your spirit and your flesh. Hey, listen, you need your flesh right now. So don't simply spiritualize this. He paid the price for both. So don't be in a hurry to get out of the flesh just yet. But back to Romans, verse eight. Now we saw what the law could not do because it was weak through the flesh. Then law could never free us from sin and death. Verse three, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That's Romans eight and verse three. So Jesus once and for all has dealt with the sin problem. Why? Well, verse four tells us why. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So again, the wages of sin is death. Sin, what is it? It's a violation of light. It's a violation of what we see, what you know. And if you want to, well, I'll give you another assignment here. Why don't you go ahead and read Romans chapter one through chapter eight. He talks about sin and righteousness, and how through one man, Adam, sin came into the world, but through the one man, Jesus, righteousness came into the world, and how the righteousness through Jesus is greater than the sin that came through Adam. Believe it. God is bigger. Jesus is bigger. He's bigger than sin. Do you believe that today? That the blood of Jesus is far greater than our sin? Well, listen, you must believe that. Well, Donnie, listen, you don't know what I've done. No, listen, you don't obviously understand what Jesus has done, the blood, the blood. No matter what you have done, it is not bigger than the blood. I don't care how vile, how horrible it was, it is not more powerful than the blood. Come on, say it, We're, we're, we're confessing some stuff here. You need to say this, say my sin is not bigger than the blood. Come on, I'm talking about the blood of the spotless lamb of God. Now, let's go over to 1 John. We're just, I'm just trying to lay a foundation here today. 1 John 3 and verse 4. This will be out of the Amplified. Everyone who commits or practices sin is guilty of lawlessness. For that is what sin is, lawlessness, the breaking, violating of God's law by transgression or neglect, being unrestrained and unregulated by his commands and his will. So would the law include the Ten Commandments? well, as as well as other things, but one of them says, you shall not lie. Well, you hear that and you know that and you do it anyway. Well, that's sin, right? But those who don't walk in the light, okay, those that are not born again, well, they would maybe think it's okay to lie once in a while in certain situations, right? Because they don't have the light on that. If you don't believe in God, you can believe in anything you want to or nothing, If you don't believe in God, there's no morals, right? It's now my truth, not the truth. And, well, then anything goes. Well, there is a standard, and Jesus is that standard, the word. And there is truth, not just a truth, but the truth. Absolute truth is never changing. And that's the Bible. It doesn't update weekly, right? There's no 2.0. No, the word is perfect, and it'll never change. And it was right when he said it we don't update with the times our beliefs don't evolve with the times so when we transgress and we and we violate what the word says and you knew what was right and what was wrong well that is sin 1 john 5 and verse 17 all unrighteousness is sin and romans 14:23 for whatever is not from faith is sin well people like to talk about well what is sin what's not sin And many churches have updated their beliefs on what is and what is not sin. Sin is not about legalism or somebody's lists of do's and don'ts. Or this one says that this is right and this one says this is wrong. Notice what it says in James, and and just stick with me because I'm going somewhere. We're talking about, we're gonna take some side roads to get out to the interstate, okay? James 4 and verse 17, therefore to him who knows to do good. So what is sin? It's a violation of light or what you see right, or what you know. So to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So you're violating what you know because you knew better. And to him who knows it and doesn't do it, that's sin to you. Listen, sin isn't sin for everybody. Sin is a violation of light and we don't all have the same light. This is why God said, do not judge one another. You do not know the light that somebody has walked in or the lack thereof. I don't know what light you have. You may be doing something contrary to the word, but if you didn't know it and see it, God's not counting that or imputing that. Why? Because God is fair and he's just. And he knows what you know and he knows what you don't know. And that's why it can seem to be unfair at times when we see people that we assume are getting away with things and what others don't get away with. But it makes sense if you can see it through knowing does this person have light on this or not, what they see or not. So the more light you have, the more that God would expect out of you. But if you're a baby believer, well, does he expect you to know what somebody that's been in it for 25 years knows? And then to hold you to the same, well, that's not fair or just because you haven't seen the light on it. No, it'll still cause issues in your life, but to say God would judge you for that sin, it's not the same as the ones who do know. So I said all that to get to this in John 3, 14 through 17, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. For whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The spirit of God is not a condemning spirit. You and I are to have nothing to do with condemnation and the condemnation business. Condemnation means to to be down and against. And these words are like courtroom words. They're legal terminology, like justified, condemned, and judged. Condemned means that you have been found guilty and you are deserving of punishment. And after being found guilty, well, what comes next? Sentencing, right? Being condemned means the trial is over and you are found guilty. And if you are guilty, then you deserve to be punished. But God did not send his son into the world to find the world guilty. And the good news is not to tell the world that, hey, you're guilty. That's so much preaching that's coming from the church today. Guilt, shame, condemnation, damnation, fear, trying to scare people into heaven and out of hell, trying to shame them. Let me tell you something. If God wanted shame on you, if God wanted you guilty, you know what God would have had to have done? He would have to have done nothing. Just go on and watch the train wreck that's called humanity. But God didn't do nothing. God did something. And he sent his son, Jesus, not to find the world guilty. Telling the world that they're guilty is not the good news, by the way. First Corinthians, it talks about that the ministry of the law was the ministry of death, but the ministry of righteousness is the ministry of life. If we we were pre-cross, before the cross, and we had the law, and I was a priest, my basic job was to let you know what sin is and that you're guilty of it and that you need to make the sacrifices so your sin is covered, and the whole ministry was sin, 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 and telling you that everything that you're doing is probably a sin. Do your sacrifices, cover your sin, and when I see you again, well, how about that sin? Did you you cover your sin? Did you get your sacrifices in? It's the same in some religions today, having to confess your sins and then do the sacrifices to get forgiven of them. I'm not just talking about the Catholic faith where you're confessing something to a priest. I'm talking about charismatic faith churches that'll tell you that you must work really hard to get back into the good graces of God by works because of your sin. So you must sacrifice to get back in and cover that sin in good works. Cover it, because sin will kill you. So get to work. Now, this is a problem, because ministers today are not priests under the old covenant, but they sure sound like it by a lot of the stuff that they're saying. So what is the ministry of righteousness, which is the ministry of life? Is it to be made more aware, not of the sin, but to be made more aware of the righteousness? Instead of talking about sin all the time, which don't get me wrong, we need to know what sin is, but you also need to know that it's been dealt with. But what you need to hear is that you have been made righteous because Jesus took your sin and he was made sin with your sin. And now you, you, you took in his righteousness and you've been made righteous. You are right now righteous. You need to hear that. You need to hear it, to say it today. Say, I am righteous. No, say it again. Say, I am righteous. You are right now as righteous in God's eyes as you ever will be. I am righteous. And this is not common to the church world. People will get mad at people like us. Oh, oh, you're you're really righteous? No, no, listen, Donnie, there are none righteous. No, not one. Right? Without him, but I'm not without him. Come on, I'm not without him, but I am in him, and he is in me, and I am righteous. And if I am righteous, then I'm also justified. That's a legal term. It's the opposite of condemned. Condemned means guilty as charged. Justify means innocent, cleared of all charges and wrongdoing. Now, it didn't say that there was no wrongdoing. It says that you're cleared of the wrongdoing. I know there's wrongdoing. But you're cleared of the wrongdoing, not held against. You're innocent, undeserving of any punishment. Righteous means many things. One thing is what you have a right to. The righteous have a right to come boldly to the throne room of God with no sense of guilt or shame or inferiority. Man, that's not very many in the church that do that. The righteous have a right to be healed. The righteous have the right to be free from habits and sin and to have all their needs met. The righteous are redeemed from the curse of the law. So which one are you? Just an old sinner hoping to be saved by grace, Donnie, because that's what religion will teach you and it'll keep you trapped in an endless cycle of trying to achieve some position with God, some right standing by works, and well, you'll never get it. No, you were an old sinner, but you've since been saved, and you are right now 2 Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Well, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Friends, that's who you are right now. Listen, this means something, my friends. It's not because of what you could do, but rather what he did. If you are more sin conscious, then you're going to be a condemnation conscience. Listen, I lived under this for most of my adult life, listening to ministers who could do nothing but try to control their churches with sin consciousness because they were so afraid that they had to keep you under their rule by guilt and shame. And the way to, to get out is works, works. And you need, to, you need to be here every time the doors are open. And you better get to work day. Listen, this was their answer. I'm telling you what I know. And you better give until it hurts. Those are actually words that I grew up hearing in the church that you better give until it hurts. I'm talking about your money. That was it. Is it really, is it really pleasing to God for you to give your tithe when it doesn't bother you to give it? Just your ten percent? Maybe you need to give until it hurts. Give until it makes you uncomfortable. That is not scriptural. Works, 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 and guess what? It was never enough works. It'll never be enough because that's not how God set it up to be. He set everything up by faith, and it's by faith and through faith that we have to receive the truth that God saw mankind in his condition, and God was not willing to leave us in that condition. So God sent his son Jesus because he loved us so much that Jesus would become, not not he wouldn't come just to tell us that we were guilty, but that we were free. And that Jesus would take all of our sin upon himself so that he could position us into his position, his right standing with his father. And he traded us spots. And he said, listen, I'll take the sin. Matter of fact, I'll take it so much so, imagine this, that he even cried on that cross, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? That sin drove that wedge between Jesus and his father on that cross. And he took our unrighteous positions where we could not stand before the Father because of guilt and shame and condemnation. And he took that and he gave us his righteousness, which is the ability to be free from sin and stand before the Father as though sin, guilt, and shame never existed. Imagine that position to stand before your Father God in his presence and feel nothing but love and acceptance. That's what we have, but it's faith-based. You have to believe it, so. I'm just laying a foundation for the series. Come on, we need, we need to meditate on this until it becomes so much of a part of you that it just comes out. I am the righteousness of God. And then you actually believe it. Well, let's keep reading John 3 and verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Father, are not in the condemnation business. If anybody had a right to judge people as guilty. It was Jesus, the sinless one. He could have come and he could have said, you know, guys, why are you not more like me? Shame on you. Well, he didn't come into the world to show people how weak and sinful they are. The law did that already, but he came to make us aware of our freedom from sin in him and our righteousness in him, not to condemn. So if he didn't come to do that, then you and I should stay as far away from anything that ministers condemnation. Oh, man, there are, there are a bunch of so-called Christian programs out there that use condemnation to try to bend people out of bad habits and guilt them into making good choices. And guess what? It'll never work long-term because that's not a ministry of Jesus. Jesus. That's why we usually see that interventions don't really work because people are going to come in and say, look, look at what this is doing to your mother. Look at the damage that you've done to this family. Condemnation, guilt, shame. It doesn't stick. It creates unhealthy patterns of addiction. That's why we say here at the Midwest Healing Center, we don't beat the hell out of people. We love the hell out of them. Oh, I know. I know the temptation is to look at the people that we know, maybe family or close friends and see them doing something and saying, well, that's just wrong. It's wrong. So what's your job? To make them fully aware of how wrong it is. To prove to them from the Bible how wrong they are. Well, it would seem that's what we're supposed to do because that's what most churches are doing. See, the Bible says you're screwing it up, man. Well, it's not working. It's making people mad and it's running people off, right? I don't care how obvious it is that they're wrong and what they're doing is wrong. Who made it your job to point that out? Well, of course, of course you're walking in a perfect state of God's will, I'm sure. Let's get you in your little glass house and see how well you're doing. God sees glaringly obvious things that you aren't doing right. Let me give you a lesson I learned through the toughest time of my life in the past couple years. Many of you are, are aware of the vicious attacks from a certain minister against this ministry. And as I would from time to time be tempted to set out to make that person pay for what they have done because it's all been proven out to be lies upon lies. And so now in my mind, time to pay because they refuse to admit what they did was wrong and they refuse to admit that they were lying. So guess what? I'm going to make them pay. And as I have been tempted to bring judgment, I am quickly reminded by God of all the times that I was guilty and that it was blazingly obvious that I was in sin and how he protected me from people just like me. Thank you, Jesus. Because that's not a ministry that Jesus is involved in. That's a ministry of the devil for strife and division. And God told you, don't you ever have anything to do with bringing down another man's ministry. Do not do it. He is so kind. How many believe that God could put us in the full light of his holy perfection and he could compare us to Jesus and he could point out everywhere that we're coming short and before he was halfway through, we would beg God to just put us out of our misery but he doesn't do that though. Sure, he wants us to grow. He wants us to get past those sins that so easily beset us but that's not how it gets done. We are like children who scribble all over a paper with some crayons, right? And we bring that, you know, they bring that to us and we're like, oh, that's very pretty. Good job. That's so amazing. You know what? I think you're a future artist. Well, that's what God's doing with our scribbles and our messes. That's, that's pretty That is good job. You are an artist, right? And he calls you what he sees now here's the thing what he will do though is he'll point out that next time hey that is awesome that's amazing but you know what next time hey try this try this try to stay in the lines a little better next time okay and and see see how that looks okay okay i'll work on that and so you do and you come back and he says that is so good nice job great job that is so pretty you stayed in the lines but you know what hey try this Try this color next time. This would probably work better here than that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. But see, he's not gonna show it all to you right now because you couldn't handle it. But if you are walking in the light that he has given you for right now, he's not seeing you as sinful because of the blood of his son cleanses us. It's a continual cleansing of the blood. I mean, I hope to God, any of you, have you showered more than once? Please say yes. Continued cleansing from all unrighteousness if you walk in the light that you have. So you're going to say this with me today. Say it with me now. We are not in the condemnation business. Let me say this. You do not want to be a part in making somebody feel bad about themselves and what they've done. That's the devil's business. Even if they have done something horrible, you don't want them guilty and ashamed, and shattered. You want them cleansed, you want them restored. So when you sense that something is making somebody feel bad and guilty and ashamed, you don't want to be any part of that. Build them up, bring them out. One of my favorite scriptures, Micah 7 and verse 8, do not rejoice over me, mine enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. God is not pulling the light when you fall, because he didn't come to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And what did it say? John 3, 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. Do you believe today? He who believes in him is not condemned. He that believes not is condemned already. Unbelievers are condemned in their hearts. Think about it. They know it. They try to act like they don't, and they try to cover it up, and they try to act like they don't care, but that condemnation is always there. More sin and junk, and they hate themselves. Try to act like they don't, but they do. They see themselves as nothing and as failures. But we don't, want to, we don't want to confirm that. We want to see them get out of that and get free from it. John 3, 18, He that believes in him is not condemned, but he that does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. You cannot be free without being in Christ and receiving his righteousness. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So what is sin? It's a violation of light. And that's when condemnation comes in. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness, not light. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes into the light. That his deeds may certainly be clearly seen that they have been done in God. John 8 and, and verse 1, but Jesus went into the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again to the temple and the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? See, they're trying to pit him against the law and to publicly get him to say something against the law so they can condemn him. This whole deal is a setup. Where's the guy? He's probably one of their buddies. No child of God should ever be involved in something like this, ever. You could not stand this if you are really a child of God to witness this, to see this, to see a woman drug out into the street, just caught in the act. So I can imagine she's probably not properly dressed. I'm sure she's crying. I'm sure she's upset. She's humiliated. And this should bother you. It should hurt your heart even if she had tempted this man and wrecked his home, but the love of God does not want to see this. Jesus did not come to condemn, and we are made in his likeness and his image, and when we see people hurting and embarrassed and ashamed, it should bother you. Don't want to see that, because love covers a multitude of sins. Not saying it's okay, but at the same time, we do not want them guilty. We don't want them embarrassed. We want them cleansed, and we want them restored. So they said this, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and he wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he didn't hear. So when they continued asking him, I love this, he wasn't answering them. And they're saying, well, what about it, stoner or what? Are you for the law, or are you against the law? I mean, they thought they had him either way. They wanted him to say, well, the law is the law, so stoner. Well, then people would have lost confidence in Jesus, because we thought he was different. If he says, no, I know what the law says, but don't do it. Oh, so you're against the law and you're against Moses? They think they have him either way. Listen, when the devil shoves you into a tight spot and tries to get you to choose between two wrong things, you know what you need to do? Don't pick. Don't speak and wait kneel down and listen to God and look for option three so he finally raises himself up and he says to them he who was out he who is without sin among you let him throw a stone at her first and then he stooped down and he wrote on the ground I'm going to tell you this is the wisdom of God right here on display but this is so wise it takes it out of the realm of what am I going to do and it places it right back on them what are you going to do Then suddenly all the attention went from Jesus to these men with rocks in their hands. Well, yeah, but what are you guys going to do? Don't you dare toss that rock. We know you. Then those who heard it being convicted by their own consciousness, they went out one by one. So sin is a violation of light. Well, how do you know that you have light? Well, your conscience will know and it'll bother you. And when it does, you'll make the adjustments quickly to keep that conscience clear. Oh, I hear it all the time, pastor, what should I do? Well, the Bible says, well, yeah, 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 that's what I was feeling too. Sure, because of light. Your conscience was telling you walking in the light or in the spirit. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. They walk in light, a clear conscience. They that Heard that, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Come on, this saved this woman's life. Could you? Is this kind of wisdom available for you and I daily? Yes, it is. But here's the thing. Don't move too quickly. Jesus put them on pause. He sought the Father on this. What do I say? What do I do? And then it came up to him clearly, do this and say that. And that wisdom changed everything. Then those who heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. Then Jesus, he raised himself up and he saw that nobody but the woman, and he said to her, woman, shame on you. Listen, this woman was as guilty as they come. This was no rumor. She was caught. She has broken the law naturally, which is punishable by death, spiritually and morally. She is guilty, no doubt about it, caught in the very act. And what did Jesus say? What did he do? Shame on you? Stop sinning. What's the matter with you? You need to have more respect for yourself than this. You knew better. What have you done? What were you thinking? Listen, I want you all to begin to treat this phrase, shame on you, like cuss words. Get rid of it. Get it out of your vocabulary. Don't say them shame on you. What are you doing? You're trying to get somebody to feel guilty and ashamed and embarrassed, and that's the ministry of death, and it's contrary to the ministry of Jesus Christ. He did not come to do that. If anybody would have had a right to do it, it was him, because he never had done it, and he never would. He could have said, why did you do this? What is your problem? No, what did he say? Where are those accusers of yours? Has nobody condemned you? what's the Bible say in Revelation? The devil is the accuser of the brethren. So when you see these guys standing there accusing her, you're seeing the devil work through people, always trying to shame. Look at you, you pitiful excuse of a Christian. You should be ashamed of yourself. No, you shouldn't. You should be forgiven. You should be cleansed. You should be aware that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when you miss it, you repent and you don't waller in the shame. Listen, I grew so tired of hearing this week after week after week from the pulpit. You need to, you need to, this is how it was said. You need to step it up. You need to step it up week after week and month after month and year after year. That's all we heard from the pulpit. You need to step it up. This is how it was said. You need to step it up. You need to step it up, meaning that you were not meeting the standard that's pleasing to God. You need to step it up. You need to step it up in your church attendance. You need to step it up and be here on every workday. You need to step it up in your giving people because the church isn't doing well. And it was always placed back on us not being enough. No, we are in him and he is in us. Where are your accusers? She said, no one, Lord. Imagine she's been crying, covered in dirt, laying on the ground, sobbing, eyes swollen and red and, and knows that this bunch is gonna kill her. I mean, religious folks are the meanest people on the earth. Mean, nasty people. They just as soon kill you than give everybody scriptures as to why it's okay. Jesus said to her, no, listen. We need to have a, a, a talk here about this. No, what did he say? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I have to wonder what that meant to her. I wonder what that really meant to her. No, I mean, they had her dead to rights. She did it, I mean, on public display. How embarrassing. And you know, your sin will find you out, guys. There's gonna be times that you are gonna blow it and everybody's gonna know it. Everybody's gonna know it. I wonder what this meant to her. That the most holy most perfect, most righteous is looking at her and saying, hey, I um, I don't accuse you. Go and sin no more. He didn't say it doesn't matter. He didn't say it was okay. He didn't minimalize sin. But there's something bigger than the sin. And I don't condemn you either. And so, hey, don't sin anymore. So don't sin. But don't be condemned about it either. Don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed, but be washed, be cleansed, and forgiven, and righteous by the blood of the Lamb. And look what it did to this woman. See, this is the misconception by religious people. You're letting them off the hook, and you're giving them a free license to sin. Let me tell you something. They already have a free license to sin. I don't have to give them that license. They have that license. I'm giving them the license to get out of sin, get out of jail free card. This woman, she didn't run back into sin and say, whoo that was a close one, I got out of that one. It didn't drive her back to sin, it drove her to follow Jesus for the rest of her life. How about you? Come on, what about you? Oh, you've sinned and you've blown it and you've messed it up, you know you have. But are you guilty? Or not guilty? Oh, I know. I know you've done it. I know you messed it up at times. I know you have fallen short of the glory of God. Didn't do what God asked you to do. You did things that God said do not do. You're feeling like my current messed up life as a judgment from God because I'm guilty. Lies, lies, and more lies, my friends. You better say it again today. Say it with me. Say, I am not guilty. Uh, that's all the time I have for today. Thank you for joining me on the new old school podcast. And until next time, I'm feeling free to attempt the ridiculous achieve the miraculous.